We're so glad to have them with us this morning. And Brother Price is much more than uh, an uncle or a friend, but in many ways has been a role model for me. And I appreciate him so very much. And I'm thankful this morning for him to be coming to this pulpit to open his heart in the word of the Lord. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Sister Price is going to sing and always enjoy that as well. If not, maybe tonight. But... Uh, whatever they have in store for us. Would you put your hands together and welcome Brother and Sister Price as they come to minister this morning. Hallelujah. If Paula and Cindy wasn't here, I would have let you all in on the secret. I was also the favorite child. But Paula was the spoiled one. And uh, But anyway, hallelujah. You can be seated. Bless you. It is an honor, and I mean this. I'm not just saying it's always an honor. It's always an honor to preach. I I never look at. I never look at preaching as. First of all, I never look at it as a showcase. Look at me. See me. Listen to me. Like me. I I never. I. Let me rephrase that. Since I've matured, I never. There probably was a time I used to think, ain't nobody can do like I can do, but I've changed that. Now I, but uh, it's always an honor to preach. And I've learned one thing in, in the ministry, and it's been a long time now, but I've learned that every time a person gets up to speak, it, it better be a ministry attitude. Better be somebody needs to hear something, and I don't have to know why they have to hear what they have to hear. I just want to, the, the, the minister is a vessel that God just should speak through. And no one, now trust me, because I really believe this, no one will ever preach in this church or in any church that will ever outdo the pastor. Now, you're going to hear other guys going to come in, and you're going to say, whoa, wow, huh, huh. Well, you hear the pastor all the time. All the other guys that come in are coming in with something that they've preached, and they know it's good. They're not going to come in and say, I'm going to preach the worst thing I've ever preached in my life, and whether they like it or not. But the pastor's there, it's, and I, I know there's times that I've felt like I get tired of hearing me. I just, I've told my wife at times, I said, man, if everybody feels like I do, it's a miracle and everybody shows up. I get tired of hearing me. I sound like a broken record sometimes. She maybe stretches, says, oh, no, you're always good. But it is good to be here. It's uh, the things that are going on in this church are exciting to us, to our family. To see what, to watch people's lives—that's we get we get happy for you. This church is on my prayer list. I've got a list of things I pray 
and I try every morning to start my morning off with it, but this church is on my prayer list, and uh, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and uh, I'm so glad my prayers have been what's brought this church this far. Now I'm going to quit. I'm tired. <laughs> but uh, the singing was so great. It always is, the music. Soon as Sister Cheryl learns to play, this place ain't no telling what's going to happen in this place. The singing is awesome. I get out here in church a lot of times. Now, Brother Jordan always had such a good voice. I get out here in these services, and I get, I get around listening, and sometimes I forget that there's that good sound. I think, man, I'm doing pretty good today. And then I realize that's not me. That's the sound system or someone in a mic. I told my doctor, and I may have mentioned this, but I thought about it when all the singing was going on. Three years ago, I had throat surgery. I had a doctor that was as exciting as this pulpit. You know, I mean, he didn't know how to smile. He didn't know anything. And he just would talk very, very matter of fact. His name was Dr. Monte. And he, when he finally came to the place, he said, Reverend, he said, I'm going to have to have to do surgery. Got to cut some things off your vocal cords, and then you can't talk for the 10 days and do this and do that. And I said, well, doctor, I said, there's one thing. I said, I, I want to know. I said, when this is over, will I be able to sing? He said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, I've always wanted to be able to sing. <laughs> He went to the floor laughing, and then he walked out of the room. <laughs> I want to go back to him and talk to him and say, you didn't tell me the truth. You didn't tell me the truth. Hallelujah. I am so glad that we serve a God like we serve. Like we serve. I'm glad he didn't structure this thing to fit all of our wishes and desires and the things that I think I need. If I'd asked for every one of us in this building, there's times that I thought I needed certain things. I thought my life would be better with certain things. But in truth, God knows what I need. He knows how I need to receive it, and he knows when it needs to come. And if it gets me, I've, I've often referred to the Scripture, the 119th Psalm, I believe it's 176, David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. If God brings something into your life or my life to put keep me on the straight way, and when this is over and I get to heaven, can I do anything except thank God for the affliction? I want to live for God. I want to live for God. So many of the songs this morning just went along with what I, I feel. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've fasted for four weeks over this. I didn't know I was going to preach to the other day. Uh, so... When it's over, you just you come up and tell me. Just don't say I liked it or I didn't. Just say, spend a little more time in prayer next time. That, 
and I'll be all right. I want to read a passage of Scripture out of 2 Kings, the 18th chapter. Now, normally I only read about two verses. Brother Norris told us in Bible school to not read lengthy passages. But I'm going to read about seven or eight verses this morning. And I want you to, to just, let's just see. Well, I'll get into it. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 28. It says, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hezekiah, excuse me, hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith, this is the third or fourth time now, for thus saith the king of Assyria. Let me, let me just stop here a minute. Some of you need to watch who you are listening to. Some, I'm going to. Uh, somebody needs to stop listening to voices that have not come from God. Some of your fears should not be in your life. Some of your concerns and sleepless nights are not the result of the un un powerless God. It's the result of the voices that you are listening to and the ones that are instructing you what you cannot do. God never tells you no. God never says it can't happen. God never leaves you in discouragement. God only tells you, look at what I'm about to do. So the king of Assyria says, make an agreement with me. Compromise. Give up. Surrender. Buy a present. Give me something. If you give, if you give in to the things of this world, trust me, you're given things. You're giving your family, I don't know, but you're giving your family, you're giving your eternity, you're giving your happiness, you're giving your joy. Just go ahead, give it up. It, does, it doesn't count. You wait and see what's going to count when this thing all comes. Said, you come out to me, and then guess what I'm going to let you do? You're going to eat every man of his own vine. You mean like the vine we've been eating at? Every man of his own fig tree. Well, we have fig trees. You're going to drink of your every one of waters of his cistern until, here it comes. This isn't my message, but boy, I've got about five messages right now through this. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land 
Why is it the world tries to mimic the happiness the church gives us? Why is it the world tries to tell us there's joy in other things? There's no joy like the joy I have in God. There's no happiness like the happiness I have in God. Only in Him will I find true joy. Until I take you away, I've got another land. I've got another place. He said it's another land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread, a land of vineyards, a land of olive oil, a land of honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuadeth you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Now, now listen, I'm, I've got a couple more verses, and I... And I was starting to say, I apologize. I don't apologize for anything. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered out at all his land out of the hand of the king of Syria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, Iva? Have they delivered Samaria? He just destroyed Samaria. Were their gods able to deliver Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? I want to tell you this morning, I preached this last Sunday morning at our church, and I just thought that was where it was, and then last night I was, spent some time in prayer and studying, and I was not, did not have this on my mind, and the Lord led me to this. And the longer I waited, the longer I prayed, and then early this morning I was up, I feel, I really, this is what I felt. The Lord hit me and said, somebody needs some of this today. I'm going to preach about their God is not my God. Hallelujah. God, you are awesome. You are powerful. And you are mighty. I pray, God, that something need, that needs to be spoken or said today will be said. God, you're in control. We're not losing anyone. You're in control. The situations that all of us are going through, you're aware of them. You're in control. I ask you to touch us. I ask you to help us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Learn something when you read out of the Bible. Learn to put yourself in that. Put yourself as you're reading. This is not, this isn't about just the history. This is God. This is the only way God's given us to tell us and assure us of who God is and what God will do for us. If you do not read this book, 
I personally believe that you ought to spend some time every day. I don't care if it's one chapter. Let God, this is how God's going to speak to you. And when you read it, you know, I, I was reading this here a while back, and I hadn't thought about it. And the other day, last Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I was in prayer, just praying and blah, blah. And this came to me so strongly. What is Hezekiah? What is the king of Assyria? What is all this? I, but when you read this, you look at lives, un, not unlike our lives. People's always been the same. Dress different, different possessions, you know. But people's people. It has been since creation. Emotions are the same. You're not the only one that's ever had a problem. I'm sorry to tell you. And I know some of you feel like you want to walk around in the whole world. It ought to be on the front page of the newspaper. The reason a lot of people don't care is they're going through worse things than you're going through. I just got message number six. I'll wait on that one. But you, you, you look in the Word, there's battles. What, what is the Bible? How, this book is filled with battles. With struggles, with lives that you're thinking, God, did you not call them? And He did. He called them, He anoints them, He leads them, but yet you find at some point in their life, there's a there's a battle, there's a struggle, there's something going on. And and what you're doing, you're witnessing over and over and over again. You're witnessing as the adversary. I hate to give the devil any credit. He's a dingbat. He's got to be. He had it all made and he's going to hell. And the dummy doesn't realize everything that he's doing to try to get us. You know, it's just, he's making a fool out of himself. You know, just go at it, whatever. But here he is, the adversary. Oh, dumb, dumb himself. He he is the culprit of all of this. Now, it is not. Now, here's where some of us make a grave mistake. It is not necessarily that he's trying to assault you. Oh, the devil. You've heard it. The devil's been after me all day. Bless his name. The devil hasn't been after you all day. Life's been after you all day. You know, the devil will use life. Devil didn't put that rock in front of you and cause you to trip. You know, it's, but it, he's not necessarily coming against you. He's coming against God. His only way to come against God is to come to you. If he can get you, he tries to get you down so he can laugh in God's face. You, you know, there's two Two statements that are made about Hezekiah at the very beginning of his life. I'm not going to go back and read it, but it starts in the early part of the 18th chapter. We're introduced to Hezekiah, a 25-year-old young man who becomes the king of Judah. And there's two statements that are made, and it's this. The first statement God acknowledges, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Let me tell you something. It doesn't make any difference what people think of you. It's what God thinks of you. 
if I live because I want, you know, I want people to think. What difference does people make? It's what God thinks. He did that that was right in the sight of the Lord. And God said, check number one. And then two verses later, it said he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. God said that. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. You can't do one without doing the other. You don't trust in God and not do what's right. And if you do what's right, you're going to stand and say, I trust in God. I trust in God. I believe in God. There is something powerfully that is involved when you are able to say a person trusted in the Lord. It means something to God. It means something to God. The real battle that you're going through, this this is in everything. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not pornography. It's not because I want to be an idiot. Although some people have been on it. That's not your battle. Why do people do that? Why do people who know? The real battle is, will you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in God enough to live for God? Do you trust in God enough to walk away from something? Well, you, well I don't know if I can do do you trust in God? Is God's word right? Or are you denying or questioning? Oh, I trust in God. Not if you're questioning whether God will help me or not. Not if you're questioning whether God's with me or not. Let me tell you something. This church is no different than any other church. The real test is not your sickness. It's not the flood. It's not the lions. It's not the giant. The real test is... Do you have a trust in God? If I have a trust in God, then I can go through whatever I go through. Everything is determined on your trust in God. That's where your direction comes from. That's where you know to to say. now, Now, here's something I thought of this morning. To just say I trust in God does not necessarily mean, oh, I understand. Uh-uh. There's a lot of times I don't understand anything going on. But I'm not going to stand and say, God, why did you do? I trust in God to know I've been faithful to you, God. I don't know why this is gone. You do, and I'm good with that. I'm all right, God, as long as you're there, as long as you're gone. You see, you're looking at one fella. I know, I absolutely know what God has done for me. I know what I've had in God and received in God. And this is where my trust begins. I, it's not just a cliche. I was lost, but Jesus found me. I had sickness, but he delivered me. Or I was going through a tough time. Whether I came out of it or not, he helped me through it. He stood by me in the midst of it. We all love to shout, I love the end of a trial. I'd almost say it, but I don't want to lie in church. I'd almost say 
it's almost it's worth the trial to come to the end of it. I don't like a trial. I don't like it. But I love the end of it. I love, I love the shout. We love to with we all feel like everything we have in God is shout related. Everything is not always shout related. Trusting in God doesn't. <laughs> Look at those lions. <laughs> he threw me in the line with the lions. Woo! Glory. Some of you think we're supposed to do that. No, but you trust him. I don't understand this, God. I just was praying, but I trust him. So what happens in the morning? I come out of the lions. So whatever goes on, you know, some, because I know people. Jason, I'm going to say this. I pray for you, bud. Our church knows you. They know you. Could we pray for you? I, all I know is every time I pray to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Some people in, in this church, like any other church, some things that, that we all, we, we feel struggles and we, we feel things happening. And sometimes, that you just nod your head if it isn't true. Sometimes it's just a struggle to hold on. Sometimes it's not about getting through. It's just about getting up. It's just about getting here. Sometimes it's so bad I'm thanking God. Have you ever been here? I don't know if I can take another step. I don't know. If, but you get up anyway. And you say, I trust God. I still trust God. I still trust God. And you keep walking. And you keep going. And you keep moving. And God says about that person, they trusted in the Lord. See, it's not... It's not, and, and, and I, it, there's just a couple of things I'd like to leave with you this morning. One of them, I want you to get it in your mind. It's not an assault against you. It's an assault against your God. Can God keep you or not? Can he? You know, we, we go, we have our children. You know, if they're in the church, thank God. If they're not, you better be praying. If you're not praying, there's not a way they're going to be saved because you're the connection. You're the hope. So, Kenny, can God deliver anything? Yes. Can God deliver anyone? Yes. But you got to know there's a wrong. God help me. I, I get so upset at families in our church that have kids that have been lost and they're just, well, you know, they're not that bad. What do you mean they're not bad? They make mockery of the church. Does it take repentance, baptism in his name, and an infilling of the Holy Ghost or not? What are you talking about? Well, they're doing what they can. And I've got to the place, if you're goofy enough to talk to me like that, I'm goofy enough to come back at you. You're sending your kids to hell. You're sending them to a loss. Well, I don't like that type of talk. Then talk to somebody else. 
peddle your junk somewhere else. I'm telling you, you got to come up with it. Can God keep you and yours or not? Can God hear my prayer? Can God answer me? Can, let, let me just say, can God help me? Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. I don't care what you're going through. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've had to endure. Can God help me? I got to get it in my mind. My God, they sing it. He's the only God. He's the awesome God. Can God help me or not? It's not about can I shout. The shout's for me. God doesn't care if you shout or not. The shout's for me. But God looks down past everything. How does he say Hezekiah trusts in the Lord? He doesn't say that at the beginning. That's after looking at his life. This is written after the fact. He trusted in the Lord. That means when everything, all reason said give up, Hezekiah said, I'm holding on. Can God, what is God? How is God? Eight times in 18 and 19 of these second kings, the word trust is used. It's telling us this was the means of the assault of the enemy to destroy Hezekiah and the Israelite or the Judah people to destroy their trust. If you lose your trust, fear is waiting at the door to step step in. If you stop trusting, fear is going to consume you and going to visit you and going to haunt you. God, I, I went through something a few years ago. I, I don't believe in dreams and, oh, I was dreaming something. You need to turn that TV off and spend more time praying. Yep, message number seven just walked in. But anyway, uh, something was, I, I was being tormented at night. Two and three o'clock at night. This went on for several weeks. I didn't know anything. You know, what's going on? I'd wake up in the middle of the night out of a dream. There was something, and you know, if something happens once, okay, the same dream was coming night after night. It was to the place I was afraid to close my eyes. And it, and I, and it was the same dream, the same thing. And, and I, I can't tell you what it was because I really don't know. But there was a fear. Something was trying to get me. Something was trying. And I don't mean just come up and scare you. Something was at. And I personally, you can do what you want. If we want to talk about angels... You better also realize there are angels. I believe this place is surrounded by angels. I really do. And, and there's angels here, but there's also not necessarily here because of church, but in our world, there's imps around us too. And, and this went on for quite a while. I'd wake up 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and I'd be up and I'd think, oh, God, I don't want to go back to sleep. And finally, one morning after after days of this or nights of this, I woke up one night and I got up and I said, all right, it ends here. I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. I don't know what you're trying to do. But my mind belongs to the living God. And I prayed it. Oh, you can't do that. You should have cut. You came along too late. Tell me what I can and can't do. 
I stood there. I said, in the name of Jesus, I want these night dreams gone. And then I thought, you know what? That's not good enough. I said, I want them replaced with godly dreams. I went to sleep. I saw people getting the Holy Ghost. I, man, I, oh, I did some preaching those next few weeks, not in the church, in my dreams. I woke up and said, oh, I wish I could remember that. Man, I wish, and, and I really did. And I, I prayed whatever was going on out of my, I'm telling you, these gods are not my God. They don't belong to me. So here he comes. Let me, let me get this. He said, let not thy God, this is in 19 and 10, let not thy God in whom thou trustest deceive you. How did he know what we were going to say about our God? The devil knows an awful lot about our God. Don't let him say, oh, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. This will never go, this is never going to happen. This is never going to happen. The king of Assyria comes in. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Let me tell you something. If you ever get to the place that the things that's preached from this pulpit, the attitudes of revival and what it takes to have it and, and prayer. What you're doing, you're listening to voices outside of God telling you don't believe what he's saying. Don't believe what he's I believe prayer and fasting works. I believe worship works. I believe these things are ours. But don't let this happen. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. Hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuaded you, saying, the Lord shall deliver us. Oh, God, don't you believe in him. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all? And then he lists all these. Have any of these gods delivered them? And then in the Living Bible, that verse 35 I read, what God has ever been able to, to save any nation from my power so what makes you think the Lord can save Jerusalem? Well, you ask. So this is what makes me think. First of all, I know what God has done. And I'm so thankful. I really am. I walk into the church. I am so thankful I know who the Lord is. I'm not talking about I'm glad I know I come to church, how I just go to church, just somewhere. You know, it doesn't really matter. I'm coming to God, and I know the Lord God. I know who he is. I know him in the power, and I know one thing. All of these gods, and I don't care if they're gods of all these goofy sound and lands or not, all of these gods are the gods in this world. Some of you, how do you get away from, and we deal with it. We deal with it. We've had, we've had some folks get the Holy Ghost in the last, this, this year that's come in, some young people come in out of some tough lives. How do you get, how do you come in and walk away from drugs when you're a 17-year-old kid that lives in an abusive home and you've been on drugs since you were 12 or 13 years old. 
Well, that ain't supposed to happen. I don't care if it's supposed to happen or not. It's happening all around us. And those are the people we got to go after. So how do you get in when a Heston stands there and he says, I've been on this stuff and I'm trying and I'm, I'm really giving it everything I've got. And I'm, I'm going on. I'm going to tell you what you do. You look at drugs and say, those gods are no longer my God. Those gods no longer control me. Those gods are not who I am. If you want to change your life. Oh, sometimes we get ourselves in a mess and there's nothing I can do now. Who told you that? Where do I find that in the Bible that God said, if you ever get in a mess, well, yeah, those things you can't ever get out of. I find that you can come to Him. And my God is ready, desiring, hungry, rejoicing when one sinner repents. If I've done wrong, why do I want to waller in the wrong and say, oh, I couldn't get out of here? That's those gods telling you that. My God is saying, come on, come unto me. Oh, you are tired and weary. I'll give you rest. Come on out of there. I'll open the door. I'll make a way. When you go to him in prayer, what kind of going to him in prayer do you do? Oh, God, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Jesus, hallelujah. Praise God, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, glory, hallelujah. Well, yes, hallelujah, that's enough. Or do you go to God in prayer? If you go to God in prayer, you better go to him and trust. Number one, he's hearing you. And secondly, he's going to answer. He may not answer the way you want him to. Don't you pray for rain when he's wanting to bring a drought. Don't you pray for things that's not in the will of God. The will of God is not always what pleases me. The will of God does not always make me say, ha! But at the end result, the will of God is what keeps me. The will of God is what's going to make me grow. The will of God is what's going to get me through. You trust in God. The other day, we came up here last Monday. We drove up because we got worried about Dad. While we were here, we got word my wife's mother was dying. And she, they, the doctors gave her up. We were sitting in the hospital in Little Rock. A pastor friend walked in. He and his wife I've known for years. They came in and sat down. And we got to talking about, I don't even know what opened the conversation. The pastor was a good friend of the Rutledges. They brought him into the, into the church. And Johnny Walls was his name. And he'd come in, and we were talking about something to do with prayer. His wife was really just a neat person. She came and sat down, and she said, Johnny, tell him. She, she's, she's real laid back, but if she ever gets wired, she's wired. And she said, go ahead, tell him. Tell Brother Price. And he said, well, she's wanting me to tell you they live on a highway between Pine Bluff and 
town called Star City. So the highway department contacted us. They were going to come in and they were going to cut our into our yard. They were widening the highway, and the bulk of that area was coming through our yard. They were going to take most of our yard. They were going to cut the one nice tree we had in our yard, cut it down, and they were going to move a telephone pole and put it up right next to our house. She sa- he said they had a nice big front yard. And he said, I went in and I argued with them, and they said, no, there's nothing you can do. It's done. He said, but we don't want this. It's done. He said, I argued, and they said, look, you can fight it, and in the end, you will lose your house, not only your yard and all this, you will lose your house. So after a little while, he walked home, and Linda's waiting on him, and Linda said, all right, what did they say? He said, Linda, I hate to tell you, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? There's I love it. You ladies that voice. What do you mean there's nothing we can do? <laughs> Men, a word of advice from someone who's been married for 41 years. Duck. <laughs> and he said, well, Linda, there's nothing we can do. They said we'd lose our house. I can't fight it. I can't win. She said, and then she, she interrupted him. She said, and he's supposed to be the preacher. <laughs> and he started talking, and she interrupted again. He's the one telling everybody God answers prayer. And he said, but Linda, she said, well, there's something I can do. I'm going to pray about it. He said, well, you pray. She said, how can you tell people what, what can happen and you don't believe anything's going to happen? I thought, yeah. <laughs> That's what I would have said too. So she, she went to praying. She said, God, I don't want my house destroyed. You can change your mind. You can do whatever. So this went on for just a little bit and just a little while and they called, they were going to have a meeting of everybody that was involved in this project and, and the houses were involved. And so Linda went. I don't know why Johnny didn't go. Well, yeah, I may know why he didn't go. <laughs> Let them get her. But anyway, uh, she went and the, compl- the, the planning commission, as soon as they got up, they had a, a map of the highway. And they said, the highway's going to be going here, and this is the direction it's going to go. And they said, now, when we get to this spot, we investigate a little bit further, and there's a wetland behind this particular house that nobody knew was considered there that was designated a wetland. You can't get within so many feet of a wetland. It's a federal land. And so... So we are going to detour around this and then pick it back up. Brother Walsh said, our house, the way the highway comes now, here's our house. The highway comes like this. (laughs) It goes all the way around our house. Said we didn't lose anything. The highway's not close to us. Everything is all right. It just, it gets to our house. It turns the opposite direction. It gets on the other side, and the neighbors get it. And I, when, they, when they were telling that, Linda's over the gun. 
I told him, but he wouldn't believe me. I told him, but he wouldn't believe me. All I'm telling somebody is, my God is stronger than sometimes we allow him to be. And sometimes then we give over to him and we show the ought to be. Amen. Now I'm going to close. Come on the music if you would. As I've often said, that doesn't mean anything. She just coming to the music. I like to finish the other half of my message with music. He sends a letter. Now I'm going to just paraphrase all of this, not just a couple minutes. He, the king sends a letter, and Hezekiah gets it. He's telling how bad he's going to treat Hezekiah and what all he's going to do. Hezekiah takes the letter, spreads it out before the Lord. Another one of our problems. We think we can handle it ourselves. I can take care of this. You know what? You might, but why would you? Why don't you trust him? Hezekiah, the king. Oh, I'm the king. I'm the king. So he's God. Take the letter. This is what the enemy has said. Listen, this is what the doctor said. I know sometimes we don't, it's the will of God. I, I don't understand all of that. I really don't. But this is what the report I got. Have you ever tried taking it and laying that report out before God? This is what my family's gone through. This is my trouble, my trial. Hezekiah laid it out before the Lord. And after he laid it out before the Lord, these are the things that come back. The Lord said. You, you, you see, and I'm not, this is the only part of it that I want to read and then I'm going to close. 19 and verse 32 after he prays, remember the rest of it was all, thus saith the king of Assyria, thus saith the king of Assyria, thus saith the great king of Assyria. <clears throat> Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what I've been waiting to hear. Let me tell you something. The Lord still talks. He still talks. We just have to listen. We just have to tune our ears. He talks. Every one of our difficulties, God has an answer for. He has been it. And a lot of times it's in service. I know a lot of times it's when we're by ourselves. But many, many times it'll be and it's the way of God. It's while the pastor's preaching. It's while something's going on in the service. And God will speak to us. Don't you close it off. Oh, I've heard that thought before. I've heard that scripture. I've read. Don't you be goofy enough to close off the voice of God. Thus saith the Lord, the king of Assyria shall not enter into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before with a shield, neither will he build a ramp to come in against its walls. How do we know? The, the Lord said, for I... I will defend this city. 
I'm going to take care of this. I've got it under. I've got it under control. Well, how are we going to do? Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Well, how are you going to do that, God? Does it matter? Does it matter? Well, I really like things. I, I'm an organized person. <laughs> yeah, you're organized enough to put God out of your life. God said, I, he doesn't go into details. He doesn't even tell them how. He said, but I'm going to defend it. And then verse 35, and this is it. And it came to pass that night. <laughs> I love it. It came to pass that night. The old loudmouth king had sent a letter. Hezekiah talked to God. God talked to Hezekiah, said it isn't going to happen. I'm not going to tell you how. But then that night, the angel of the Lord went out and smote. If you don't understand the word smote, he killed, destroyed, got rid of 185,000 Assyrians. And I like the way that, that this reads. I know what it's saying. And when they arose in the morning, behold, it's where I love that word. I wish we used that word, behold. That means look. Look at this, man. Behold, they were all dead corpses. Somebody woke up who thought they were well protected and 185,000 of their army they were dead. And you want to come along with some problem that, I'm not, I'm not belittling your problem, but I will refuse to belittle my God. How am I going to get through this? <laughs> Man, I'm glad you asked. You ever hear Hezekiah? Let's go to it. Their God. Well, there none of these gods will deliver. Yeah. Their God is not my God. God. Don't, don't sing about he's awesome. Don't let the words come. My God's awesome. My God's wonderful. My God's powerful. Don't, don't say that if you don't believe it. You might as well sing Elvira. You might as just go ahead and talk something. Because if you're not going to believe what you're singing about God, you're wasting your time. But if my God is powerful, if I've got a need, I ought to be the person with my hand raised. I ought to be the person saying, my God's all powerful. My God's almighty. My God's all wonderful. My God can, my God can, my God can. Hallelujah. My God. My God. Somebody just reach out. Somebody reach out and just talk about my God for a little bit, would you? Just talk about my God.
Come on, why don't you stand to your feet today and take just a moment to tell God what you think about Him. Go ahead, magnify Him. Tell Him what you think about Him this morning. Oh, nobody like you, God. of a God than what he is, maybe we would have a reason to worry. But because we know who he is, and because we know the kind of God he is, and we know that when he speaks, that the whole universe has to listen, that ought to put us in good standings this morning to know, whatever my need is, whatever my problem is, there's no God like my God. There's no God like my God. There's no God like my God. Come on, take a moment and just magnify him this morning. Say there is nobody like you, Lord. Great. 
I know there's not room for everybody to gather in the front this morning, and so what we'll do is we'll just pray right where we are. But maybe there's somebody in the house this morning that says, you know what? I know that God is able to take care of my situation. I know God is greater than my problem. I know God is greater than my fear, my worry, my doubt. If that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hand in the air right where you are. Now, if somebody's standing next to you, oh, my hand's everywhere. If somebody's standing next to you has a hand up or maybe somebody across the aisle, I just want you to step over to that lifted hand. Everybody is an altar worker this morning, all right? Everybody's an altar worker this morning. If a hand is raised, why don't you just step over to that person that's holding their hand in the air and agree together with them this morning that God's never met a challenge that was too great for him. For the things that are impossible with men are still possible with the Lord. Just step over and agree with them this morning. Lay hands on them. Pray for them this morning. He's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Oh, there is no one higher. No one greater. 